And that was a that was a trip, brother Tom. He's wearing that same shirt. He's wearing that same shirt. Uh, he would have that hat on if he wasn't here tonight inside. But uh, that's uh, the Badlands, the Badlands National Park. What state is that in, brother Tom? South Dakota. Okay, you been to there? Now you go to the Badlands when when it's dry. They've had a drought. It's not very pretty. It's mostly all same color. But if you go to the Badlands when it's been wet, that rock is like five, six different colors. You all been there at different times, notice that? I've been there when it's dry, been there when it's wet. When we went, it was fairly wet. Also, just before they closed at night, we went in. It's about a, what, an eight-mile ride through the Badlands? Eight, nine, ten-mile ride? Huh? At least. It's about a 30-minute ride, whatever it is. I don't know quite how long. So, but what I didn't realize, we went in, remember they were going to, I don't know if you were, they were going to close it on us, and they said, you better, you, if you're in there when we close it, you're in. So we made our way, we made our way out, but I mean, there were deer everywhere. The deer were just everywhere in that thing, and, and we did and during the day, you don't even see them. They're, you don't even know they're there. But when it got cool, just before the sunset and everything, they all came out. I saw quite a bit of game in the Badlands. So what a beautiful thing. By the way, that was a new sign, can't you tell? They made a new sign there in the battle. Let me see if this works. Oh, I got to turn it on. Okay, ooh, yeah, sweet. I want to talk to about, people ask me through the years, how do we know how to pray? Well, the Bible is where you learn everything. How do you know to pray? You learn from the Bible. What, what do you say when you pray? You learn from the Bible. It's all there. That's why you really want to read it through front to back, side to side. Learning to pray in the prayer of Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah has a couple prayers that are very, very, very powerful that are recorded in the Bible. This is just on one of them. This is Hezekiah's prayer. I'm going to just go through the six verses. And for you that don't have your Bible with you, you can look up here and see this. Hezekiah's prayer, Isaiah 38, 1 through 2. In those days, Hezekiah was sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. That's pretty big when a prophet of God tells you you're going to die. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I mean, that was nice. I would think that was, that was a real, you know, no if ands, you may make it, you're going to die. You're gonna die. That was nice. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather know than not know. But what Hezekiah did was interesting. And he turned his face toward the wall. He's laying down, and he prayed unto the Lord. And he said, and said, "Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight." And Hezekiah wept sore. There's a big difference between crying and weeping. There's a big difference. And came the word of the Lord Isaiah. Isaiah's not even out of the house yet. Not, not completely out of the area. And God comes to Isaiah after he told him to go in there and tell him he was going to die. And he tells Isaiah, go and say to Hezekiah and in, in uh, Second Chronicles, this is recorded also, and he says, the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. 
and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. Now Syria, which was the empire of the moment, came down and took the ten tribes, took all their cities, led them captive, took them to Assyria, displaced them completely out of their land. So he had come down to Judah, and it looked like he was going to be able to take the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, which is in the southern part, which is Jerusalem, where Jerusalem was at. And so Hezekiah and them, uh, what a word. Not only did he's going to live 15 years, but he's going to be delivered, and the city's going to be delivered out of their hands. So what do we learn? First of all, we learn Hezekiah in this particular instance faced the inevitable. Uh, we face the inevitable. In those days, Hezekiah sick unto death. Uh, thou shalt die and not live. That was, there was no if about that, maybe about that, could be about that. That was God's word to him. It's interesting to me he didn't take that and say, okay, okay, Lord, you want me to die. I'm willing to die. We're human, amen. And sometimes when God says you're going to die, you may say, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I've said it. Told you last week about that. And, you know, sometimes you go to God and say, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that outcome. God, would you have mercy on me? And he did in Hezekiah's case. So what, what do you do when the inevitable comes your way? What do you do? Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. I don't think it's ever too late to pray. Uh, God may, may be willing to change his mind in your particular case. The impossible is possible with God. When you face the inevitable, where do you go? To God. Face the inevitable, you go to God. That's where to go. I think that's the whole teaching of that right there. David did not take the prophet's word for it either in the Bible. 2 Samuel 12, 12 22 23. Uh, you know, he was. Uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. <clears throat> he killed Uriah. He tried to hide it, never really publicly repented, not didn't repent at all, I believe. Had Nathan the prophet come in and finally tell a little story in which David gives his own judgment. And, and old, the old, uh, I'm going to say, has, uh, Nathan's long skinny finger pointed at David and said, Thou art the man. You're the one guilty and became publicly shamed. And from that point on, a lot of things happened to David that were tremendous consequences of his sin. You know that. Most of you know the Bible, what happened in this case. But I think the reaction after that, basically the prophet there said, the child's going to die. Again, the prophet said, from God, the child's going to die. The inevitable. The un typically the unchangeable. But what did David? He didn't take that, did he? He didn't say that. He didn't take it. What he did, he said, uh, he went to God and, and he got on the ground and fasted and prayed and asked God, please save the child. I believe, I believe it was for about seven days. And so eventually the child died and the servants came to him while the child, and, and they came to him and said, the child's dead. He gets up, he washes, goes, takes a shower, says, bring some food to me. I want to eat. And they were stunned. Like, man, shouldn't you grieve over the death of the child? Well, the child's already dead. I can't do anything about it now. But before the child dies, he says, who can tell whether God will be gracious unto me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? 
Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Now, boy, a lot of people have taken that verse. That is the only theology, pretty much about the only theology we have on do babies go to heaven. People ask me, do babies go to heaven? Boy, a lot of people ask that. Do babies go to heaven? No, I don't have a whole lot of theology. I don't have a bunch in the Bible on that except this right here. David had some, some sort of a spiritual insight that he was going to go to the child, but the child was not going to come to him. <clears throat> and I don't think he was just thinking death. It seems to be a little bit deeper than that. In fact, one the fact that the child died, I'm going to die. It was a child had gone someplace where he was going to be able to go to him. He shall not return to me. I'll go to him. But he shall not. So that's, that's one ind indication, by the way, indication that indeed babies or children are under the blood of Christ and go to heaven. Nobody goes to heaven without Jesus. First of all, what do we do? We remind God of some of these things. Here's what they are. First of all, how I've walked before thee in truth. We say, remember me. Remember now. How do you pray? I've walked before you in truth. Secondly, I've had a perfect, or the word perfect can be translated complete or whole heart. How important is it to have answered, to get answered prayer? How important is it? These things right here tell you how important it is. It's very important that you obey the truth. You've walked in the truth. And that you have a complete heart. You're not half-hearted with God. God cannot stand, it seems like, it makes him sick, a half-hearted individual. He says, I'd rather have you be hot or cold, the church of Laodicea, uh, Revelation 3. He said, but if you're, if you're lukewarm, mm, I get nauseous and want to spew you out of my mouth, which is in a, not a pleasant description. And I have done that which is good in thy sight. So, three things are important to look at there. We walk in truth we have, with a complete heart, a total heart with God. And you do that which is good in God's sight. So, it, it, it translates from belief to action. Uh, the book of James, the book of James, was the last New Testament book to be entered into the, what they call the canon the new, of the New Testament. The last one. Why? Why was James looked at so carefully? Because James, and if you read the book, if you didn't know much else of the Bible, you would say James is talking about salvation by works. But what James is really talking about, he's talking about a salvation that works. And so once they realized that, they realized it was an inspired book and put it, made sure it was into the canon of the Bible. And then Hezekiah, just to follow it all up, he wept sore. And we went over that. So we're going to go over this real quickly. Remember me. Nehemiah mentioned this. Nehemiah 5.19 says, Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all I have done for his people. Remember me. I've prayed this over and over again in, in hard, hard times that I've had. Nehemiah 13.4 says it again. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds. That's the translation, uh, if I may say, from belief to action, that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. Nehemiah was a wonderful man. What a, what a guy. What a guy, Nehemiah. The things that he did for the people of God at his own expense in this particular case. 
And so he says, when, hey, just remember me now. There's nothing wrong with asking God to remember you. Uh, this is repeated in the New Testament. One of my favorite verses of the New Testament is this verse right here. Uh, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name and that you ministered unto the saints and do minister. God keeps track of what you're doing. Keep doing right. Keep, keep sowing seeds of righteousness. Walk in truth before him with a whole heart. And he's, he'll remember, he's keeping track. It's being recorded. That's a beautiful verse. I believe I signed quite a few of my cards. How many here have received a birthday card or anniversary card from me? Raise your hand. I got you, B. I got you, B. How many here have not received a birthday card or an anniversary card from me? Raise your hand. Well, okay. that's so we, Chuck? I think your wife got them and threw them away. Would you do me a favor? If you've not received a birthday card, listen to me. If you've not received a birthday card or anniversary card, well, you're not married. You're not going to get an anniversary card. But if you haven't received a birthday card, and everybody has to have a birthday. If you haven't received one, all you have to do is call Wendy, talk to Wendy, give your address to Wendy, and you will get one because she'll put it in the database. It's possible that you got deleted. Most of you know computers well enough to know randomly sometimes a computer will drop stuff. I transferred my one phone to the next phone. Stuff just disappeared. Certain stuff I said, call, so I, Ilya, I said, call somebody, and I, she did, well, you're not, not a, I said, and I had called this person many times on another phone. It had just dropped them in the transfer of data from one to the other. And I think that's what may happen, by the way, Wendy, on our stuff. Don't talk back there when I'm talking. Uh, Mrs. Mose, now don't make me get tough with you. Okay. You got to watch them back there. Number one. How have I walked before thee in truth? How have I done it? The life with God is a walk, not a run. You don't cram on God. You can cram your studies at school. You can, you can cram all kinds, but you can't cram. Your, it's a walk. It's not a run. It's every day I get up. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All those with me, bless His holy name. You go to bed, you pray. How many times my wife and I kneel beside the bed and pray for folks? Do you know that's, be, that's being cumulatively kept track of? How many times have I prayed for my brother, Louie, Pat, Nikki, and Julie? If you're watching, I pray for you all. I'm going to say, I know I've prayed for you 50 years. I've been married 50 years. I've been praying for you 50 years. 50 years of, of calling their name out before God. It means something. It means something to God. Don't give up just before the, before the victory. The life with God is a walk, not a run. It is a day-by-day -day life. Is God in all your thoughts and your day? I hope so. I hope God just isn't there on Sunday morning or, you know, sometimes people only come Sunday morning to church and I just wonder, do they think much about God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Uh, is He in all their thoughts? I hope He is because if you want to answer prayer, one of the ways of getting answered prayer and influencing God is to walk with Him. 
as the old song says, he walks with me and he talks with me, tells me I am his own. Number two, with a perfect heart. Not sinless, but consistently seeking God's will in your life. Nobody's sinless. I've displeased God in so many ways, so many ways. So many things I've said have been displeasing to God. And you know, I often, when I preach, I'll say, if I say anything, God, that's wrong, just wipe it from the minds of these folks. Because sometimes when you talk as much as I talk, you say things that aren't really what you ought to say. And you can't call them back. I wish you could call them back, you know. But you can't call them back. And so you just have mercy on somebody. We need to be wholehearted or would express it. Hezekiah did not all of a sudden start seeking God at death. In everything you do, prayer, Bible, reading, memorization, meditation, obedience, fellowship, and such, it's all for God. Little by little, here a little, there a little. You know, that's the way God builds stuff. Uh, he's not much in for the popcorn Christian, you know, where they pop up, fizzle out. You know, they're, they're real big. They're, sometimes people come to church and they're like, Preacher, man, I just love this church. I just love these people. I'm, I just love the Word of God. And, and they're all excited about it. And, oh, man. And then a year later, they're going, they're going where, where are you? People that make Gospel Baptists are the people who stay, the people who hang in there, the people who overcome the rough moments that they have maybe in, in the work. Those are the ones who really make the, a local body of believers prosper. It's not your, your ones that come in with tremendous enthusiasm. I had somebody come in one time, the first day they were, the first Sunday they were here, they wanted to join the church. And I don't know if you deacons remember, but we had one, we had one of them people come in and, and interview with us to be a member of Gospel Baptist Church. This is either the first or second Sunday. And they couldn't say enough good about us. So we voted. They had a good testament of salvation. We voted them in as members of Gospel Baptist. Now, we didn't get them in front of the church because they never came back. The next first move was come before the deacons, give your testament of salvation. We voted unanimously to bring them into the church as a member. The second step was to bring them before the body of believers, show them to you, and say, do you all, first, second, you know, vote these folks in. They never showed back up. Remember the guy that came to the deacon's meeting with a little dog? Remember that? Where is he? Yeah, he had a little dog in a, what was that little dog in? It was a little, kind of a little, he said he flew all over everywhere with that dog, flew everywhere with that dog. And he had this little dog, and he brought him in. It's the first deacon's meeting I've ever been to with a dog in it. I'm telling you what. That was a dog of a meeting, that's for sure. He never came back. Number three, I've done that which is good in your sight. This is outward manifestation, inward walk, a pursuit of God, going around doing good in every direction. Jesus went around doing good to all men. You know what's beautiful about being a Christian? Just good. I think it was Lillian Sakura, Bill, Bill and Lil, told me every day we get up, she says, we try to, what can we do good today for some people? Now, man, I, I like that. I like that. What can we do good for some folks today? Now, you had to be real careful around Lil that you never mentioned you had a need. You couldn't mention to her you had a need. God forbid. I told my wife, don't you... When she says, how you doing? Everything's fine, wonderful. I don't care if you're starving to death. Don't tell her. 
Because if you told her, oh, I don't have any groceries, you, you, you wouldn't be able to fit them in your house. Somebody told them they needed furniture. Then they came to me and complained that they didn't know where to put the furniture. She went and bought all a bunch of living room, bedroom fulls of furniture and, and, and had it delivered over to them, and they had no room for it. I mean, the furniture she buys was big old stuff. You know, you go down here to Goodwill. You go down here to Goodwill store, it's not like most places. Because of the mean age of our area is so old, and old people have nice stuff, you know. The good, our Goodwill, you know, got four or $5,000. I, I went to this guy's house, and his dining room table was absolutely breathtaking. Now, I'm not easily impressed. I've been to all your house, and I'm not impressed at all with what you got. But let me tell you, I walked into this old boy's house and I stared at the table. It looked like it had depth. The wood had been finished. It looked like what they make gun stocks out of, uh, which is a knurled kind of a, I can't remember what they call that wood that they make out of gun stocks. But man, I'm telling you, I feel bad that you didn't get to see it. I mean, I sat there and I said, what in the world? I've never even seen anything like this. He said, oh, yeah. He said, that table was $6,000 just for the table. And he said, these chairs here are 1000 apiece. And I, the chairs were part of the same wood. And, and everybody says, when his wife died, he says, I want to give you that, that, that dining room uh, table and chairs. I want to give it to you. My wife is dying, and, and we're going to leave it. And I said, man, just bought. I just had bought a dining room table and chairs which were junk. They were just junk compared to his stuff. But I told him, you know, we've already bought a dining room table and chairs, like 1500 bucks total. I thought that was a million dollars. And I'll never forget, he said, I says, he says well, I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to give it to the church. They can have it. I gave it to Vicente Herrera. I gave it to him. Of all people. I said, now Vicente, this is high dollar stuff. You know, he said, of course, he's a carpenter. And he appreciates wood. And he looked at it and he says, oh man. He'd never get that kind of stuff. I never had anything like that. So, uh, let's go around doing good. Bill and Lil Sakura, God bless her soul. And the memory of Bill. And Lil's still here. But God bless you. What a good day it was. They went around doing good. You folks, many of you do the same thing. So addendum. What about the weep that he wept sore? What did that have to do with it? Well, he was deep and real. People don't conjure weeping. They may conjure crying, but they don't conjure weeping. Weeping comes from the very depth of the soul. The whole body's involved in it, and it's big. And that's what, he was, that's what he did with God. It was no surface religion with Hezekiah. He loved God and prayed with all his heart. This is powerful with God. So some examples. Of all the examples I could think of, this is one I'm just amazed at. Ahab the Arab. He wasn't an Arab. For you old people, you know where I'm going. Ahab. I don't like him. Well, you guys like Ahab? I like Jezebel. You like his wife? Jezebel. Ahab. Wicked. 
vile people. And yet, there was judgment pronounced from the prophet on Ahab. And it came to pass when Ahab heard the judgment, basically which was the judgment of the prophet, that he was going to die. And, it, and the dogs were going to lick his blood in the, in the, in the, where Naboth, where he had murdered Naboth to get his vineyard. And his wife was going to be, they were going to be eaten by dogs in Jezreel. And, and uh, by the way, worthy they were of that. And what's God do? The boy ran his clothes and put on sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went softly. It means he was sad. He wasn't giggling, making no fun. He was looking and said, what happened? And the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Ahab? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil of his in, in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. I know you like that. God says, I'm delaying it. He delayed it 20 years. He gave Hezekiah 15 years. He gave Ahab 20 years. That's a long time for judgment to be delayed. That's how imp you say, does it do any good to humble myself before God? Well, you, you make the decision on that. Now, for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. So that was just Israel, Israel themselves. And they were scoundrels. But God is he's not trying to judge you. He's trying to save you. His heart is to save you, not to judge you. Even though he has to judge you to be righteous. But he wants to help you. If you humble yourself in your trouble, to turn unto the Lord. That's some examples. We're about done. Isaiah 38, 5 through 6, I repeat again. I've seen thy tears, and behold, you got 15 years. I've delivered a city. You read that. I want, to just, I want you to see that again. So God notices tears, Psalm 56, 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Where's that come from? There was a practice of mourners, which I'm, I'm not familiar with this whole mourning thing. But the mourners uh, was to catch their tears in a bottle. They'd have these little, little bottles, and as they cried, they'd catch these tears and put them in the bottle, and that's where that comes from, where it says in the Psalms, I'll put my tears in thy bottle, are they not in thy book? In other words, they acted like God was keeping track of all that. So here's a summary. Walk before God in truth with all your heart, while doing good all around you, do good unto all men, especially them of the household of faith. The Bible says New Testament. Weeping at times from the earnest sincerity. And that's how Hezekiah prayed in crisis. That's Troy Lytell's aquarium. Do you miss it? Do you miss it, Troy? Yeah. Now that you don't have any children, maybe you could get it again. That's how good he grew coral. I can't tell you how hard that is. I could never do it. I never succeeded in doing it. 
But what you're not seeing is the flowing. The water would go over and it would, it would undulate. That's a good word. It would undulate as the water went over it. Living plants. Yeah. I, just wanted, I just wanted to tell you I wasn't making it up. Father, thank you for the destruction of Scripture. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us and directs us, directs us and gives us ways to, to learn how to pray. Help us to seek your face as Hezekiah did, as uh, the prophets of God did, as Paul did, all the men of God, as they sought you, Father, and the women of God, as they sought your face. Help us, God. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.